One had seen a thing like a death's head resting on the ledge of the box, whereas the other saw the shape of an old woman who looked like Madame Giry. They decided that they really had been the victims of an illusion, whereupon, without further delay and laughing like madmen, they ran back to box five on the grand tier, went inside, and found no shape of any kind. Those people are making fools of us, Monsieur Richard exclaimed, and ended by saying, It will be Faust on Saturday. Let us both see the performance from box five on the grand tier. On Saturday morning, the joint managers found a letter from O.G. My dear managers, so it is to be war between us. If you still care for peace, here is my ultimatum. It consists of the four following conditions. One, you must give me back my private box. Two, the part of Margarita shall be sung this evening by Christine Daae. Never mind about Carlotta, she will be ill. Three, I absolutely insist upon the good and loyal services of Madame Giry, my boxkeeper, whom you will reinstate in her functions forthwith. Four. Let me know by a letter handed to Madame Giry, who will see that it reaches me that you accept, as your predecessors did, the conditions relating to my monthly allowance. If you refuse these conditions, you will give Faust tonight in a house with a curse upon it. Take my advice and be warned in time. Oh. G. Look here, I'm getting sick of him, sick of him, shouted Richard, bringing his fist down on his office table. At that moment, the door opened. Madame Giry entered and said hurriedly, Excuse me, gentlemen, but I had this letter this morning from the opera ghost. He told me to come to you. She did not complete the sentence. She saw Fermat Richard's face, and it was ready to burst. He could not speak, but suddenly he acted. First, his left arm seized Madame Giry and made her describe so unexpected a semicircle that she uttered a despairing cry. Next, his right foot imprinted its soul on the black taffeta of a skirt which certainly had never before undergone a similar outrage in a similar place. The opera rang with her indignant yells. About the same time, the diva, Carlotta, rang for her maid who brought her letters to her bed. Among them was an anonymous missive, written in red ink, in a hesitating, clumsy hand, which ran, If you appear tonight, you must be prepared for a great misfortune at the moment when you open your mouth to sing. A misfortune worse than death. The letter took away Carlotta's appetite for breakfast, and she pushed away her chocolate. It was not the first letter of the kind which she had received, and she added to herself that she was not the woman to be intimidated. When she had finished thinking over the threat contained in the strange letter, she got up. The first thing she saw when looking out of her window was a hearse. She was very superstitious, and the hearse, coupled with the letter, convinced her that she was running the most serious dangers that evening. Monsieur Richard's private secretary called to ask after the diva's health, and returned with the assurance that she was perfectly well, and that, were she dying, she would sing the part of Marguerite that evening. It was five o'clock when the post brought Carlotta a second anonymous letter in the same hand as the first. It was short and said simply, You have a bad cold. If you are wise, you will see that it is madness to try to sing tonight. Carlotta sneered, shrugged her handsome shoulders, and sang two or three notes to reassure herself. At the opera that night, the only unusual thing seemed to be the presence of Monsieur Richard and Monsieur Marchamin in box five. 
The opera began, and the famous baritone, Carolus Fonta, had hardly finished Dr. Faust's first appeal to the powers of darkness, when Monsieur Richard, who was sitting in the ghost's own chair, leaned over to his partner and asked him chaffingly, Well, has the ghost whispered in your ear yet? Wait, don't be in such a hurry, replied Monsieur Morsharma in the same gay tone. The performance has only begun, and you know that the ghost does not usually come until the middle of the first act. Monsieur Richard smiled and pointed to a fat, rather vulgar woman dressed in black, sitting in a stall in the middle of the auditorium with a man in a broadcloth frock coat on either side of her. Who on earth are those? asked Monsieur Montchamin. Those, my dear fellow, are my concierge, her husband and her brother, replied Monsieur Richard. He explained that he had persuaded his concierge, in whom he had the greatest confidence, to come and take Madame Giry's place.